Anyone here for the first time tonight? Hey, welcome. Welcome, ladies. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, I was concerned that we would be um, thinner tonight because I, I said that I was going to speak on pruning. So well done to the, those courageous uh, ones who came back. And for the first timers, <laughs> you know, you just walk straight into it, so <laughs> don't leave now. Um, so, goodness. Um, so we're in our, we're in our series on, on abiding and activation. Um, and you know, some of you know that I was, I was raised a good Anglican um, my father being an Anglican priest, not a pastor, an actual priest, and um, that's important to him, so just in case he listens to this online. Um, and um, I, so I, you know, I grew up in a liturgical church where we would, we would follow the church calendar that, that um, the Anglican church set out that would rotate over sort of three years. Um, and so when it, when it came to tonight and you know, Palm Sunday, that, you know, my, my gut instinct was, you know, this is the beginning of Holy Week. Um, I, you know, I'm drawn to that scripture that, that Amanda read for us. Um, and so you know, I, I asked the Lord, you know, should, we, should we go into that scripture um, and kind of set this sermon aside? And, and I, just, I felt him saying very firmly uh, not to. Um, That, that this is a particularly good Sunday for us to talk about pruning. Um, as we go into Holy Week and as we remember the, that choice, like Amanda was saying, that Jesus made, this was a choice that he made to go to his death, um, a horrific death. Um, as scripture tells us, for the joy that was set before him, the return to the Father and the return of us into relationship with him. And so, um, with that in mind, I just felt the Lord saying, with that in mind, with my sacrifice in mind, with my intentional sacrifice to save you in mind, um, talk about pruning. Because it's not always a comfortable thing. <laughs> um, I said last week I wanted to talk about fruits because I, want I wanted us to kind of uh, at least have have a prize set before us as well that as we think about pruning and we think about some of the things that might be uncomfortable you know, we have a purpose in them they're not just you know they're not just painful for the purpose of experiencing pain that's not the, that's not what God's about but um, you know besides all that you know I think we've all seen Jesus in some way we experienced him in some way it might just be in worship like tonight, that you get a glimpse of his character. You get a glimpse of his love and a glimpse of his joy. Um, and the, the one thing, the one thing about pruning is that it's designed, it's designed to make us more fruitful for the kingdom. That's what scripture tells us. But that fruit flows because we are more intimately connected with the Father. And there isn't a single person in this room that Jesus doesn't want to know more intimately. Not one of us. Does he not look at it and say, I know you. I know everything about you. 
I know your weaknesses. I know your faults. I know the great things about you. I know the good that I put in you. And I love you. And I want you to know me more. I want you to know me more deeply. And to do that, to do that, sometimes I have to prune you. My wife's normally good with babies, but, you know, this time. Um, There we go. (laughs) Um, Everything I say tonight, every time we think about pruning, think of the prize. Think of the prize of knowing Jesus more. Having more of his life flowing through you. And then more of the fruit of that life flowing to the people around you. And if that doesn't excite you, I'm not sure what else to do. Then it's just by divine revelation. So <laughs> let's see what, what, what the Holy Spirit will do. Um, Joe, can you pass me my water, please? Thank you. Um, actually, I might have an example from this water. Thank you. Um, I'll see. I'll get to it. Um, so it's really horrible. Um, so I live on a farm, I drink well water. I'm used to like rusty water, but not chemically water. It's weird. Um, so <laughs> let's, um, as always, we're stuck in John 15. You know, we've been spinning our wheels here for a while uh, as, as the hostess speaks to us. Um, I'm gonna read the first four verses. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my father is the keeper of the vineyard. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, and every branch that does bear fruit. He prunes to make it even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So a little um, sort of horticulture, horticulture 101, okay. Um, vines are obviously grapevines. I talked a little bit about fruit um, and wine. One of the things, if you didn't know about grapes, um, you know, Jesus, I guess, could have used olive trees, orange trees. I'm not sure what else grows in Israel. Um, he could have used fruit, other, other sources of fruit. The thing about the grapevine, which is not particularly complementary to us, um, as the branches, is that um, a grapevine is probably unique for the speed at which it likes to turn into wood that is not useful. Okay? So if you have a vine, this one, you know, it uses a, this, this image of the vine and pruning, it unfortunately is the type of plant that needs to be pruned really heavily. And the, the, the husbandman, the, the farmer, the gardener, he has to watch the vine. He has to watch for it turning into a hard wood that will no longer produce life. And he has to prune it back. And prune it back quite viciously at times. If it is to produce fruit. So when Jesus picks the vine, he's picking something that those around him know has to be pruned quite heavily. And... Um, when we think about hardwood, when we think about wood that's no longer useful, and we think about our souls, we might think of those parts of our lives that obviously are no longer fruit-bearing. Those places of our heart that have got, become hard, or our spirits that have become hard. We might recognize certain things in our lives 
that don't reflect the kingdom very well. Maybe you can think of one or two things. Um, maybe more. But what, you know, one of the other things about um, pruning a vine is that you don't just cut off the wood that doesn't bear fruit. You also sometimes have to cut off some of the good parts. You have to be more vicious and you have to trim back even things that are still good in themselves. But for a greater good, they still need to be. For a greater harvest, they still need to be cut. And so there might be times where God does some pruning in us that's not explicitly about something that's bad in itself, but he still wants to remove it from our lives or reduce its influence in our lives. So we've talked um, in the past about comfort and how you know, we, 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 we will often turn to false comforts. So you know, we, we kind of joke as Christians that our prayer life gets a lot better closer to exams, for instance. You know, we suddenly need the Lord more than we normally do. Um, as someone who grades those exams, yes, you do. And um, the <laughs> um, you know, I think that's fair. I think you know, God loves our prayers regardless of the circumstances. Okay, He loves us going to Him, um, even you know, in desperation. Um, but I'm. I'm more interested when we talk about pruning, obviously we're talking about things that change our character, change our lives, things that really we have to wrestle with. Things that go beyond maybe the ordinary. You know, so I've, I've, I've talked in the past about how um, there's times where I face challenges and like many men, I'll just talk to the men in the room, we might turn to like Ryan, we might turn to things like you know, computer games. Uh, to, to kind of dull the, the pressure, dull that sense, you know, that sense of discomfort. You know, if we're Tyler, we might turn to sports. We might go for an extra five-mile run. Okay? Running's good. But it can still be a comfort. You know, we might eat. Eating is good. God gave us food, but of course we can overeat. We, we can so often try and mitigate our circumstances and control the discomfort. But then when we really get to pruning, when we really get to pruning, we can get to these places, these trials, where we can't hide the discomfort. Where the fear is so strong that a computer game doesn't take it away. It's there in the back of your head and it's just drilling in what's in your heart and it's drilling in. I think we've probably all experienced that. Except for Ryan. <laughs> Sorry, your brother's not here. <laughs> I naturally turn to you, Ryan. Um, <laughs> when, um, when, when, I, when I have these, these, these moments of deeper trial, and you know, maybe this is familiar to you, these, these, these times of deeper trial where those comforts don't work and you, just, and you have to get on your knees. Like the only thing you can do is get on your knees before the Father and say, Father, help me. I've got no control here. I've got no way out of here. I've got no person who can save me here. You are the only one who can make a difference. And those comforts start to become clearly, visibly useless. And every time in, in my life, 
that I've faced trials and I've turned to the Father, there's this moment where I meet Him. And I'm sure you guys have experienced this. That He, that he, he, he enters the room where His Spirit meets you. And, I, and I, can feel, I can feel myself breathing Him in. And breathing in His comfort and breathing in His peace. And nothing in the circumstances changed. But He's not come into it. And he's saying to me, those things that you were using, they're not going to help you. And then he'll start to talk to me about my attitude to the thing that I'm facing. And he'll say, why are you so scared? Why are you so scared of man? Why are you so scared of what this man might do to you? Have you forgotten how big I am? Have you forgotten my sovereignty? When... um, when Kath and I were, were newly married, we went through a really crazy trial. Um, and uh, Kath ended up in hospital, and, and you know, we didn't know what the future held. Um, it was probably my worst trial. There was, I was about 23, 24 years old, the worst thing I'd ever experienced in my life. And, um, and Kath as well. And um, we had this wonderful pastor in Cape Town, um, a man of great prophetic wisdom. Legitimately, I've never known him to give a prophetic word that hasn't come true, which is cool. But he came to see Kath in, in hospital, and he, and he came to see me as well, and he, he declared um, over us the words of Isaiah 54. And it's a wonderful scripture. But I'll read you a few, a few verses from that. Oh, you afflicted one, Tossed with tempest and not comforted. Behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal, and all your walls of precious stones. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established. You shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear. And from terror, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall shall fail for your sake. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the spoiler to destroy. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. That scripture has been so powerful for us. The scripture about our children's peace was was the the scripture we put on Grace's uh, pregnancy announcement I think it was when Kath was pregnant we sent out a card and that was the scripture that we used and you know, we received this promise but a few you know, about two years ago I faced another trial which was really intense and again my normal comforts couldn't satisfy <laughs> my normal human ways couldn't satisfy and I would wait for my family to go to bed and then I would go, one of the advantages of being on a, living on a farm is you can go out and you can pray as loudly as you want and no one hears you. 
Um, and so I'd go out onto my back deck and I would declare these words, especially verses 16 and 17. I would declare the Lord's promise over me and my family that anything sent against me would not prevail, that it would be destroyed by the hand of God because that was his promise over me. And I shouted these scriptures over my farm and I shouted them to God, reminding him that he had spoken to them to me. And I shouted them at the enemy, declaring that his schemes would not pass. And his scheme did not pass. And the Lord brought me men and favor and the trial passed. It was a horrible trial. I wish I hadn't had to go through it. But at the end of the trial, I could hear the Father's voice again, like I couldn't before. And he, and he said to me, I, I, <laughs> this wasn't my will, but the prize on the other side of this trial was that I was more intimate with the Father again, that I was hearing His voice again, that I was more reliant on Him again. And he had stripped out a little bit of independence. And he had stripped out a little bit of fear. And he had pruned a few other things as well. And that's the thing with pruning. Sometimes it just, it'll just hit us, okay? It'll just happen. Both of those trials, they just happened. That was life. And life can be hard sometimes. But God promises to work all things for good. And it's funny how that verse means a whole lot more than when, when you're in a trial, than when you're not in a trial. He will work all things for good. And even if the worst thing happened and I was to die, He would welcome me in open arms. He has all things. But sometimes, sometimes we do have a choice. So these big trials are horrible, and I wish them on no one. And I've had lots of conversations with the Lord about this. Like, Lord, if I was a really, 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 really good son and super obedient, could we avoid this whole trial business? You know, and, and I, you know, I like to think maybe 90, 95% of the time, maybe he could. Like, if I was just obedient and not stubborn and not independent, not willful and all these other things, you know, I think the number of trials I would have to face would probably be less because I would just be more in tune with him. Unfortunately, Jesus' example, <laughs> as well as the early church shows, you can be in tune with God as you want. This bad stuff's still going to happen. Life is hard. And these things will happen. God will be with us in them. But every day, every day, I think we get opportunities to be pruned. Every day, Maybe every second day, I get something wrong. They're keeping their mouths widely, wisely close. Um, so, you know, and I, so I said this, I think, when I talked about fruit or sometime recently, but you know, when I lose my temper, or when I lose patience with someone, when I make a decision in my own strength, and not that God doesn't mind us making decisions, but when I make decisions in my own strength and I'm not guided by the Spirit, there's, that's always an opportunity for me to say, Lord, what was that? When I have anxiety, when I have fear, to go to the Lord and say, what was that? Is there something in me that needs to be pruned? 
There's something in me, this branch that's grafted into the vine. There's a little bit of that branch that's starting to harden and the life is not flowing and something else is stuck there. And so, and so it again, just encourage us when, when we do things wrong, when we step out of God's will, don't despair. Don't be full of shame. Don't judge yourself. But take it as an opportunity for hope because it's a place that God can bring pruning and He can bring life and He can bring change and He can bring more of Himself. Because there's going to be a little bit less of the wilderness. But we always have this choice. Yeah, and, and, and we can be stubborn and we can be independent. And we can like to hold on to things. And that's our choice. And Jesus gives us that choice. But I'd like to think the more that we start to get a taste of Jesus, the more we start to get a taste of his life and his joy and his hope, the more we want of him. The more this, this, this stuff, like, you know, what Paul says, like, everything is done. Even my achievements is done. I want to give up everything. If he calls the good things done, how much more the bad things? Do we want those to be pruned from us? And, and, so, and sometimes, again, we can have choice. It can still be hard. Um, you know, we love prophetic prayer. You know, if you've been a king of life for more than a week, you know that. We love listening to God. We love having the Lord speak over people and bring life to them. And, and um, some, of this, this, some of my saddest experiences as a pastor are when you pray for someone and God reveals something prophetically and the person chooses to walk away. And it breaks my heart because God only reveals things when He knows that we are ready to deal with Him. And so if the Lord starts to talk to you about something, don't run away from it. If he's raising it, if he's raising it in prayer with your friends, if he's raising it in prayer at church, wherever, if he's talking to you, he is ready to help you deal with it. And so when you, when you see something like that or feel something like that, just try and hear his voice saying, my child, I'm with you. And on the other side of this, there's freedom and there's life and there's more of me. There's more of me. He only has good things for us. So let's choose Him. Let's choose to step into the pruning, even if it's painful. Meg? Even if it's painful. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Try and step into it. Um, you know, when we, when we pray for people to get the original design prayer up here, when we, we pray, and I know I've given this example before, um, but it's, it's not uncommon that when we pray for someone that the Lord will say, like, you are to a man, to, you know, pray for a male student, like, you are a man of courage. And I have destined you to be courageous in situations where every other man's courage fails. And I've called you to speak my truth. That's the, you get these amazing words. And then, you know, the guy says, you know, I've, I'm, I'm scared of people. I've been rejected. My whole life is a pattern of rejection and fear. But when you say that to me, like my spirit comes alive. Like that's the man I want to be. And we, and we, see, we see the way the world, through those negative experiences, and we see how the, the flesh, 
through the way this young man's responded to the pain. And we see how the devil has gone right after the gifting that God has in this young man. The world, the flesh, and the devil have worked against him, against his design. But now he has a vision of what God has for him. Now when the Lord starts to say, you know what, I want to start pruning fear out of you. Not because I just don't like fear, but because I've made you to be a man of courage. And this is about your purpose and your destiny. It's so much easier to step into pruning when you have that vision. Not just for more of God and not just for the fruit that's going to come, but for the, that, <laughs> that sense of purpose and peace that we can have in our own lives. So if you've had prophetic words spoken over you, and you're struggling to see them come to fruition, get more prayer. Ask the Lord, what's standing in the way? Because when you think about pruning, you know, we can think about these strongholds, these parts of our lives where the enemy has a hold. Our past have a hold on us. Bad experiences have a hold on us. And those are the things that Jesus wants to break. He wants to bring life to us. So finally, um, I think this is pretty obvious, but I want to emphasize it. The thing that we typically have to give up the most, the thing that has to be pruned the most is ourselves. Okay, The self, as Paul calls it in Romans. And I would encourage you to read Romans 6 through 8. Okay? Read those three chapters. And think about preening as you're reading it. We have to give up self. And, and, and bear this in mind. If, if, we, if, if we think that... Because um, you know, we're all good Christians. Okay? None of us like sin in our lives. None of us like these things that don't reflect the kingdom. I'm sure. Okay? I say, say that with confidence. So um, we can see these things and we want to give them up. But I think, you know, when I look at my own life, and maybe this is true for some of us, that we get stuck in the kind of Romans 7 mentality. And just for time, I'm not going to read it, but please read it um, if, you don't, um, if you don't know it well. But Romans 7 is essentially about Paul wrestling with the law and wrestling with his flesh. And even though he wants to do the right thing, he finds that he can't do it. And there's this thing in him that's wrestling, this self, this flesh. And no matter how much he tries, even though he knows what he should do, he ends up doing the things that he shouldn't do. And so often in the church, we, we, even though that scripture is preached about all the time, we so often stay there in Romans 7. And we try and prune ourselves. Okay, and this is part of that kind of shame, <laughs> the shame work that the enemy does in us. Like we've sinned, we've fallen short, so in order to abide, I've got to get rid of this, I've got to get rid of this shame, and then I can go back to abiding. Okay, and the, and the thing with the self is if the self is the one doing the pruning, if the self is the one trying to make you right, the self is always going to protect itself. Okay, it's always going to be a fiction. Always. The self is never going to prune itself out of power. Okay, never. You may run around in circles for days, weeks, months, or years with yourself telling yourself that you're working hard to prune yourself. 
okay? It's never going to work. The flesh will always protect itself. We have to step into Romans 8. Okay, when Paul says, who can save me from this? Christ Jesus, my Lord. Christ Jesus can save me. And remember what Jesus says, by my word you are made clean. We abide in him. We let him do the pruning. And so when, when I, when, when I, I don't, I don't want trials, okay? I do not want to pray that prayer, Lord, prune me. Okay, I don't want to pray that. Because I don't want trials. Who does? Okay, but, um, <clears throat> but I have this prize of Jesus in front of me. I have this prize of being more the man that he has made me to be. I have this prize of wanting more of his life for me to produce more fruit for the good of those around me. I have, I have these wonderful prizes. And these things can, can, can pull me on. But remember this truth, okay, above all, that when God's pruning us, He's pruning us and we are already in Him. We are already abiding in Him. And so the pruning is done by the Father. And I'm stating the obvious, because that's what Jesus says. Okay, but the Father is the one pruning. And I'm not saying you're going to just kind of lie back and be passive, because pruning often will involve our engagement in some way. But it doesn't require us to do the work. We are in His hands. He cuts us. He shapes us. And so as we get pruned... We do it as much as this is possible. We do it from a place of peace. In a place of knowing we are in these hands that will not let us go. Will not prune us beyond what we are capable of. And only has our best intentions. And so as we go through these times of pruning, we can fall into the Father's hands. And so I don't pray, Lord, prune me. But I will pray, Jesus, I need to know you more. I need to experience you more. You know, and if the Lord can visit me and you can send his Holy Spirit and you can send angels, I will take those good things. You know, <laughs> may they all be like that. But I want more of him. And if that includes pruning then that is worth it. And that, you know, the thing with Palm Sunday, that, that great scripture of, of people laying their, the palm branches and, the, um, and their cloaks at the feet of Jesus as he rides down the road. Yeah, I think some of us, um, some of us have probably been independent and stubborn, wanting to hold on to things. Um, some of us have probably been scared of going to places with Jesus that just feel too painful.
We have before us this week this reminder of our Savior who entered Jerusalem knowing he was going to die, knowing he was going to be betrayed by these people who he had come to save. And I think it's, I think it's a really good week for us um, to think about these palm branches, you know, these cloaks as our lives. And just to, just to reflect, spend time this week reflecting, Lord, what can, I, what can I lay at your feet? What can I lay at your triumph? And give him space to move. And give him space to move, give him space to prune us with the expectation that he will reveal some part of himself to us. Something greater some sort of taste. And if you do this, and he doesn't, then come and see me. Okay. And we'll pray together. I would love to pray with you. If that's something you're not used to praying, I would love to pray with you. Amanda and so many people here, I would love to pray for you. And let's see if Jesus will meet you as we face pruning. So will you pray with me now? And let me just pray over us. And Amanda might have something. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Okay. Let's pray. I'm sure, um, like me, um, your lives are busy and they're full of noise. And they're full of distractions. And I know, I know that some of you are already in a time of trial. And I know, I know it's hard. So let's just give the Lord a, a little time here to speak to us. that our ears would be sensitive to the still, small voice of our Father. Jesus, um, for those in the room that, that have a burden, that have a pain, Lord, that they, that they see, they recognize, and they want, it, they want it to be gone, they want it to be pruned. They see already the deadness of the wood. Lord, I pray that you would meet them now 
that your peace, Lord, will meet them, will flow through them. That you will remind them that your love is greater and stronger. And it's your desire to bring healing. It's your will to bring healing. Lord, for those of us that have been wrestling with something in our lives that we know you want, to lay, you want us to lay down and we, we're wrestling. We're wrestling in our own strength. We're trying to make it right. Lord, speak peace to, to our hearts. Remind us, Lord, that it's you that does the pruning. It's you that clears our hearts and our spirits and our souls. That we can rest in your sovereignty. But here too, Lord, I ask for, I ask for a greater revelation of who you are greater revelation of your power and authority to break even the worst sin. There is nothing that you can't break, Jesus. Lord, give a revelation of your glory or your love or your joy or all of your fruit, Lord, that we can look at it and say, that is what I want. That is what I want to define me. Jesus, you are the one I want to know. So these things, these things are nothing. I count them as loss. I lay them at your feet. Jesus, take them. Jesus, these words of pruning are yours. They are the reality of the kingdom. Jesus, you love us so much that we trust that this pruning will bring more of you, bring more of your kingdom. And Lord, even if we don't want to ask to be pruned, there is one thing that we can ask, that we would know you more. That we would see more of your kingdom around us. More of your fruit flowing out of our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. One last, one last thought, guys, on this. Um, there's something so...
profound. Um, maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you've met men or women who have walked with God for decades, whose lives are a testimony of, um, of loving Jesus through trial and through pruning, and they've been faithful. And you encounter in them an, an incredible humility. I don't think there's anything that counters pride like pruning does. And one of the wonderful side effects of being willing to say to Jesus, I want to know you more, of accepting the pruning, of accepting weakness in order to be changed, we will start to see those around us who suffer with Jesus' eyes. Yeah, there's something about being broken before the Lord that is necessary for us to recognize the brokenness around us, to truly recognize it and want to bring healing. So be encouraged. The Lord works all things for good. He will use it all. God bless you.